This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. G'day and welcome back to the Farm Supplies Podcast, where we talk everything agribusiness. This week has been an amazing week for the Farms Advice podcast with over 600 listens came through in just the one day. It was amazing to sit back here and to have thought that on day one last year, I wouldn't have thought about it in a million years. But thank you very much. So if you're a listener and you haven't given a review, I'd love you to do so. And if you want to give anything to the Farms Advice podcast, let it be a share online on Twitter, LinkedIn, just engage with the podcast online that would be amazing to help me reach the 320,000 workers in Australian agriculture to help me motivate an industry so on this week's show we have Georgia Beatty an ambitious leader that looks to bring her company to a hundred million dollars over the next few years Georgia has a very cool background leading into her role she is now with Bueller Park, an organic mushroom farm on the outskirts of Melbourne. I won't take up any more time as there's not mushroom in this one. Let's get into it. Georgia, how are you going? Good, Jack. Thank you very much for having me. It's excellent to have you on the show. Another very motivated person within agriculture and really just challenging your niche of the industry. Before we get down to agribusiness, can you just discuss like how you came apart of being in agriculture and where that led you to until now? Um, I mean, it's probably a, quite a, a big story because I, um, 
I had a, a startup I founded um, when I was 20 that I sold. Um, and when I was 30, I had um, actually created a blank slate and for my career and, you know, had some, um, I guess, some elements that I wanted as part of some criteria. Um, I knew that I wanted to get into ag and farming, but I had some criteria in which um, the, the type of farm that I was looking for and a 365 day crop, something that was indoors that I can control that was more sort of sustainable, that I can have solar panels and all sorts of things on the roof. Um, and something, it had to be organic and then something that um, I could create snacks and innovate within because that's sort of my background is the, um, is sales and export and the supermarkets and things. So the, so the marketing and sales stuff, um, as well as having fresh, being able to do a range of other products was, was really important. So I was sort of, I was going down pretty heavily down the soybean path, but um, uh, mushrooms came up. And, yep. um, and this particular farm um, quite close to home came up. So, yeah, so I, I um, contacted them originally to be a customer, um, but now I'm, um, yeah, CEO and um, you know, part of the business. So it was a mushroom farm to begin with, Beulah? Yep, yep. So it's a 30-year-old farm um, and it was it's, it's one of the oldest mushroom farms in, in Australia. So it was one of the first um, farms that was started in, in Melbourne. And so, yeah, we've just sort of expanded and, and innovated from, from the 80s, basically. Excellent work. Well, take a step back. The, your, when you were 20, the company that you sold, was it Lupe Wines? Yeah. Did I pronounce it correctly? Lupe, yeah, Lupe, and it was, and we also, you know, Lupe was my because I started the business. It was a single serve glass of wine, and um, they wouldn't. I was at Laneway Festival, which is a music festival in Melbourne, when I was at uni, and they wouldn't serve me a glass of wine because it was too hard to serve outdoors because of health and safety concerns with glass. And so, um, being like a typical uni student, I thought, oh, I'm going to innovate this and solve that problem. Um, and so I went out, went home and, you know, got a plastic glass and put wine in it and iron some foil onto it. And it was a total disaster, but that was my prototype. And so I then ended up raising a million bucks venture capital and then having a sort of a, a much bigger business than I would have um, perceived at the time. Um, and so, so we had to, so Lupe was the sort of fun outdoor brand for the Australian market, but we then, I had launched offices in Japan, Korea, Taiwan, China, and um, wine has its very traditional cues on how it's marketed. So it's about the family that makes it, the year that it was made and where it's from. And they really don't deviate much from that. You, you do have some brands that try and connect on an emotional level like other brands do, but they it, it's a hard thing. People just sort of, they want to stick to the basics with wine. So we ended up doing the same thing, launching a Beatty brand, which is my surname. My dad actually does make wine, so that helped. We've got a winery in the, in the Yarra Valley here in, in Victoria. Um, and, and so that was our export brand. Um, and so that ended up being a much bigger part of the business, but I love the Lupe brand. Um, that was my like favorite baby. Yeah. It's a cool name and to get started so young and for it to take off, who bought it? So we ended up that there's a, a European company that has, that was, that had a lot of, um, hotel minibar companies ended up buying it and um, that it was really good on airlines and hotel minibars. So somebody that didn't want a whole bottle of wine, but they just got home, they might be traveling for work and they can just have one glass. For some reason, the, the single bottles um, weren't 
weren't as attractive. I don't know why, yeah. but a, but they also didn't need to put um, glassware in the rooms. And so it saved them um, that space and extra expense as well. So it was it was somebody operating in, in that space. I, it's funny, I've still got a bit of the gear um, in, in a factory. Um, and uh, there's been a few conversations to like start something up again recently, just, um, you know, 10 years later. But anyway, so you might sit back on the market. <laughs> yeah, well, so, it's all pretty nuts how it happened and starting out so young. I suppose that drove you into revolutionising or growing your Beulah Park. Um, yeah, well, I actually studied entrepreneurship over in, in Boston. So I studied a bit here, but um, mainly over in the States. And that was the sort of um, where I, I learned how to move things quickly and innovate and, um, and get the right people around the, the products and processes and things. And so I did spend a little bit of time in tech between my company and, and Bullock. And that was really important because I'm basically running Buller Park like a tech company where we do these sort of um, these sprints each day and you'll, um, you'll create a hypothesis um, and you'll measure it and then you'll learn. Um, and so it's called a, like a build, measure, learn cycle. And so what traditionally might happen in farming is it's a very long learning cycle um, and what we're trying to do is shorten that have heaps of data points on the farm so that all of my actually all of my managers are really tech savvy um, they're all um, sort of it creates this burning platform where they're learning really quickly and they're bettering their yields or their sales or whatever it is you know whatever their part of the business is they're able to have finger on the pulse um, so they're they're they understand how to grow the product from an agricultural and horticultural perspective, but then they also know how to, to measure it um, and set up the right data points to then um, pump out meaningful metrics. And so meaningful metrics are different from the, like a passive number that says, you know, you've got 30 kilos per square meter on your crop um, versus, you know, something that's meaningful that'll inform you to make a decision. So, um, so yeah, anyway, that's sort of, a bit good. about um, what we're doing. So like with the sprints, just for the listeners, you're not sprinting up and down the paddock. It's just a condensed time period of where you're focusing on this one piece of. Yeah. I mean, that, that terminology is probably yeah. um, more common in that tech industry. Um, no, no, you're not, not physically sprinting, um, but it is a sprint intellectually. And yeah. so you're, um, you're trying, you're trying to, to um, fail fast and get an outcome. If you're doing something new, trying to fail faster, then sort of work out did that hypothesis was it proved or disproved? Um, and so that's the kind of thinking, rather than you know the um, you know just show up to work and do your best kind of attitude. Um, we're trying to turn, we're trying to be a high growth company, um, and we want to be a, a you know a hundred million dollar company very shortly in the next sort of three years. And so there's when you reverse engineer that um, from where we are now, we've got you know a, a decent. A decent way to go so um yeah we know we've got each week planned out yeah amazing so like when you go to the shops mushrooms aren't that expensive how how are you scaling to 100 million um so i mean you're probably not buying organic then if you don't think they're that expensive but so we are the largest organic farm in australia we like any organic product you uh, mushroom that you buy in coles or Woolworths or any of the supermarkets is ours um and so, I mean, then 
I, I would say that, I mean, I'd like it, like it to be cheaper, to be honest. Like, I think it's a great um, um, meat alternative and that's what that's the market we're going after. So it's really, really popular at the moment, as, as you know, to be, to sort of have this reduced vegetarian. I'll eat meat a few times a week. Um, I mean, being vegan is aspirational for a lot of Australians because we've grown up with roast Sunday dinner um, as a sort of archetypical Australian. We now have been, well, we've always had an incredibly diverse community. Um, and and so, yeah, so, I mean, that's the sort of, um, the, the interesting thing about these these trends and um, and diet changes. So we're really going after the um, market where people are, are might be reducing meat. So when you look at it that way, um, yeah, they might be um, less a kilo, yeah. but when we're going after a much sort of larger market, um, and it's not just there's 25 million people in in Australia, and um, and that's quite a good market. My experience has always been um, markets overseas. Things are sort of a little bit quiet at the moment um, for export. Um, but my intention is to create some products that can go overseas. And it doesn't necessarily look like a fresh mushroom. It might be um, other snacks and, and products and alternate proteins. So snacks and alternate proteins, they're coming from mushrooms? Or they, do you have something else on the burner as well? No, no, no. Like you can very, very quickly turn mushrooms into an alternate protein. Yeah, right. So you've got a few so we do di- the, a, different products. A grilled burger, for example. So you're selling mushrooms like as a ready-to-go burger to flip? or Yeah. Yeah, we do. Like grilled have got that in, in their stores. Um, and so it's been interesting having a look at that market develop. Um, I mean, that's just one. And that's a, like probably a, quite a small market is, is um, burgers. But there's, if, you, if you have a look at any, any opportunity, any... Um, occasion that you're eating meat there's an opportunity to be selling mushrooms in there's my dog yeah okay so how are you actually growing these mushrooms they're in containers or in a big greenhouse big um like controlled we've got a series of rooms each have got 200 square meters in them it's vertical farming um we've also got a a compost farm so we're vertically integrated in that way um and we um yeah just put water on them and they they grow millimeter an hour so it's all grown indoors um between sort of 16 and 18 degrees we've got also got a solar farm um and so um yeah it's really important that we're organic there's sort of um bleach and other products to keep mushrooms white that are, are, are commonly used in the in the industry, um, which we don't think is a good thing for your gut. So um, there's just just water on ours. Mixing it up. So if they grow a millimetre an hour, is that a week until it meets the consumer? Yeah. So we've got a, it's a 32 day cycle and we get two flushes off that or two harvests, yep. in, depending on where you're from. Um, and yeah, so it's quite a, it's a quick crop. And, um, and that's what I love about it. And that's why we're able to get these fast um, learning curves as well. For like mushrooms, what's been like the most challenging thing? Is it getting into market and educating consumers? Or they're, they're educated and you've just gone with the trend of like veganism coming around the corner? Yeah, I think there's a few things playing to our... Um, favour really we just need to make sure we've got the right products sitting there um, I've previously um, made sure that my relationships with the supermarkets are good and I'm, um, I'm able to get sort of 
insights and work with them on what they're seeing on the shelves as the consumer changes and um, millennials are really interesting and in what drives them and their purchase decisions um, and so we're really just sort of um, interested in what that you know it might not be uh, immediately it might it might be a product that's um, will be mainstream in five years time but we want to be doing the work on a brand level um, so that we're ready to to sell to that consumer and be front of mind when it comes to organics um, and you know good good products yeah both domestically and internationally i imagine like asia would lap this up as well wouldn't they yeah we've, we've been trialing a few different um uh, mushroom varieties and having a look at sort of australian native mushrooms and you know we've got a great team that's um that's fantastic on the on the innovation side so um that's like we've we're sort of holding them back at the moment because we're um, we're trying to be focused on a, just on the domestic agaricus market right now. But as soon as um, we open it up and and there's there's I guess you, you can travel more into to Asia and we can sort of do the sales pitch and things. Um, we'll be able to um, you know do those new varieties and and snacks and things. So that, yeah, absolutely our our intention to to jump in there. Yeah, amazing. And then like stepping through into production and then marketing, how how are you marketing it? Do you have straight to consumer or you just wholesale business to business? Um, we go straight into the, the retailers. Yeah. Um, we have a great distribution network with the smaller sort of grocery network that's through the distributor. Um, and, but next we'll be doing some, and we, we are working with like Amali Spoons and those sorts of companies to deliver, which, which again is B2B. But what we're doing while we're working with these companies is making sure it's not just a passive sale. We're getting the insights and working out what the consumer wants so that we're able to do something um, for ourselves and, and build up our own database. So that's sort of next on the, on the list is to have a direct-to-consumer um, model. Um, and there's a couple of um, cases overseas that are interesting on how they're able to efficiently do that because obviously you're not just going to buy mushrooms on their own. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, logistics is always an issue in Australia. Um, and, Absolutely. you know, you saw Amazon come in and, um, and think that they could copy paste what they do in other countries in Australia and they got, got significantly burnt. Um, so... I think we'll create a, a fantastic brand here and we'll have a bit of a play in Australia, um, but the more exciting um, stuff and selling the Australian brand probably uh, more overseas. Yeah, selling that very green brand and then going down the line of a more mushroom tech company. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm pretty hesitant to use the word tech because if a farm isn't, applying technology and innovation then they're in trouble so there's not farming and then there's tech i think um and, and this is why we need probably more more young people that have grown up on on computers and i mean i've been playing around with um and um you know coding my own robots yesterday and that's sort of a fun thing because i know that i want to create a fully automated part of our farm yeah. um but you want you want people at the helm that know how to do this stuff um, because it's a it's a skill set that's just going to be commercial hygiene, not a nice to sort of have buzzword like it probably has you know tech has been in the last ten years. So what was that robot doing? Was it picking or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I um, 
I completely automated my first line, um, my, my wine glass line. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, just to toying around with it. These things don't happen overnight. And if you go hard at it, um, it can end up costing a lot of money. Um, so I'm just toying with something at the moment that um, I can roll out um, slowly uh, that I know is going to, to work and it's got all of the image recognition built in, which, I mean, image recognition and teaching something, just, it takes, you know, a really long time. So you just got to be in it for the long haul, basically. Constantly, like, testing and adapting to what's working, what's not. Um, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, um, so anything um, that's artificial, um, yeah. you have to create intelligence and you're building up a database, right? And so if you're wanting to, it to do a certain thing on a farm, um, you use image recognition software. And so you teach it, once it sees a particular image, you teach it when, when you see this to do this. And so, I mean, computers work with, you know, when you see this, do this. And that's, it's this constant code of, of instructions. Um, and so what we're trying to do is turn that into physical, which we can do with cameras. Um, and, and so that's the, the teaching. And so I'm the teacher. Um, and so uh, I'm not a, I, I can code, but I'm not a whiz, but I can't afford a whiz because whizzes, you know, they cost about minimum half a million bucks a year. And there's a huge shortage of them in Australia. Um, and so I'm just putting the, the pieces together and hacking it away, ha hacking away at it, um, not in a perfect way, but in a way that's sort of probably fit for, for our farm. Yeah, definitely. Well, it sounds like you've got it all going um, and always looking ahead for, for yourself and the company. But like, what's the next big project for Bueller Farm for yourself? Um, so Bula, we're, we're expanding. I'm really keen to... Um, in, I'm really into sort of native um, farming practices um, and involving our um, sort of have, involving our elders and our indigenous community and having a look at what are some native Australians and how do we native Australian um, mushrooms and how do we do it in a more sustainable way. Um, and then, I mean, personally, like a side hustle at the moment is having a look at some drawdown technology for just you know cleaning up our our co2 here and i think um i'm i'm proactively going after climate action rather than you know how um there's the the fight or flight response to something that's overwhelming yeah um and I think when it comes to, to climate change, which we're all seeing the effects of, everyone's sort of frozen because they don't know what to do. And they're thinking about their, you know, their keep cup and returning and recycling their goods in their houses, but um, which is fantastic, but it's not going to move the dial. And um, I personally think we need, all of us need to actually um, dedicate our careers towards solving um, the Australian version of, of climate change, which is sort of, that, that will be my next, um, next direction. So there's some cool drawdown technology in Europe that's being tested. So um, we could probably whack that up on the farm and, and use the concentrated CO2 as a fuel source. Um, but if we can be not just carbon neutral, but cleaning, proactively cleaning the air, that would be an intention that I want to sort of see in the next five years. Um, and that's called car carbon drawdown technology. Will that coincide with the mushroom farm and sort of create a yeah. circular environment? Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. And I think um, I, I, I think that we'll probably see things go come down quite heavily um, with what we need to be doing um, for um, to re to resolve the the issues we've got with emission uh, emissions. Um, and I think if you're, I, you, I think you want to be thinking about this stuff and having a look at the technology and how you would apply it because you don't want to be a business that it isn't relevant to and therefore you're, you're cut off and you can't operate because that is what will happen. Um, and it's always been sort of 2050, but now it's more like probably in the next 10 years. So it's becoming um, probably um, a, a commercial reality now and a, it, and it will be commercial hygiene I think pretty pretty um, soon and it's not sort of a, a fear-mongering um, kind of thought it's more of like proactive proactive rather than being in the in the sort of frozen I don't even know what to do with climate action it's actually um, having a look at what, what areas could we do something and what what, what are some what, what are some cool technologies that are applicable yeah Definitely. I think that it can coincide with agriculture in general um, and it can run alongside everyone's enterprise once it has been trialled and tested. Like it's a bit like the solar panel that came out really expensive and then further down the line, it's quite cheap and accessible. All technologies like that early days and if you yeah. have a look at anything that needs um, scale to be cheap, um, that's, that's the... You know, that's how it happens. And I mean, have a look at Elon Musk and where he started. Um, they're, they're, you know, they're in a pretty like interesting position now. And he just tweeted the other day, he'll give $100 million to whoever's, whoever's got the best drawdown technology. Um, and so, you know, it's quite, there's, you know, entrepreneurs that are really putting their money where their mouth is. And there's not much thought in that space at the moment. So, you know, it's great that we're seeing that kind of, that drive. Well, it's nuts. Like his company's making seven hundred million off selling the carbon credits to the other car manufacturers. So he's not actually selling that yeah. much worth of cars. But yeah, it's along the. And I don't think he's making any money in any of the businesses yet. But it'll be one of those Amazon. Like Amazon yeah. has popped up now, and it is just you know you you can't walk out of the house or you're in the house and you've got Amazon around you, and you can't walk out of the house without Amazon. You know you're. This server is probably sitting on a, on AWS, um, yeah, and so it they they they've created this phenomenal architecture, um, and you know they had shareholders that was able to um, to believe in the founder as he was saying just just keep keep putting more money in it's gonna it's gonna make sense for a little while I and they're running at a loss for so long, exactly, and um, you know it worked out. My God, <laughs> I think like if you look at that with startup mentality. Like you're growing and whatnot, but if you carry that startup mentality through your business and you're more likely to innovate, you think that's a big thing for yourself and like other farms across Australia? Yeah, I think we, we need to be um, driving that, that technology in agriculture. I think, you know, to Australian entrepreneurs, um, I, I was also CEO of Startup Victoria for a few years um, in between businesses. Um, and while well, I was looking for a farm and going through that sort of, what am I going to do next yep. process? Um, and it was really interesting having a look at um, Australian entrepreneurship versus other countries. And we don't really, Australians, and this might be a culture thing, but we're a bit risk averse. 
And so we don't have the luxury of, of running um, a huge um, cash burn rate for years. Um, we want to usually venture capitalists or, or even um, your sort of less sophisticated um, investors will want to start seeing um, some sort of turnover and then profit in the business. Um, and, and so we'll, we'll be sort of pro definitely revenue generating, but profit generating much earlier um, than, than our you know, companies in the, in the States. So it means we probably don't grow as quickly um, but we create really sound businesses because we've got to go sell it. We've got to get some, you know, get some customers early. Yeah, definitely. I think like for the podcast, I'm trying to drive, adapt and adopt like different technologies for farmers to use. If it, if it doesn't suit them, drop it and adapt something else. But as long as you, you are adopting something and changing a bit quicker than usually, and then the podcast can just bring them the content a lot quicker across the airwaves. Yeah. Reading it in the paper. I think, I think what I would say to that though, um, and I know it's a topic you did want to discuss, um, is is technology and apply, you know, applying it on the farm. I, I think um, you really want to be careful of buying technology. Um, my belief is that anything can be built on an Excel spreadsheet. Um, and once you've got an Excel spreadsheet that's really functional, then build it, you know, and have and have someone have someone build it because um, no one's going to create the technology that's perfect for the way you run your farm. Um, and there might be some things that you can copy paste out of different industries and go for it. Um, but if things are sort of a little bit tailored and, and, and specific, um, you can spend a lot of money and get a bit burnt and probably disheartened with technology. And when I, when I walked into Buller, they had committed to some technology that wasn't working you know we were having to do more work for the technology um than um than it was providing to us and it was costing a fortune and so i'm i'm not a fan of monthly fees for big monthly fees for for technology um because a lot of the time you're helping them scale and so all the information that you're giving them about your business they're going oh great okay so this is how this is this is how we make the product more relevant so in, in my view, I think they should be paying you to use it because you're the one that's actually creating the, you've got the gold there on site. Um, and so, yeah, I, I just think that there's, um, if you've got a more sort of technical, technical savvy founder or create an advisory board that's got some tech people on it um, and start throwing around these ideas and then you can just have things built your, yourself. Little things, little widgets that do things um, and then you'll get a bit of a feel for it. Um, and then you'll know whether it's right for your business or not, whether you want to make that next investment because investing, you know, five or 10 grand in a bit of technology is really significant. Um, and some of these tech companies will, will charge a thousand bucks a month for something. And you want to know whether it's meaningful. Yeah, absolutely. You want to be able to test that out yourself and test your own boundaries. You might even be able to do it on a spreadsheet yourself. Uh, but I think it's just about being, trying to improve your own farm rather than like saying you have to buy this to be able to adapt yeah, to your own the situation. The, yeah. And at the end of the day, you'll go through the process and maybe it's a good exercise to do, but it's a costly one, um, is you'll go through the process and work out that 
it's not, it might not be for you, that bit of technology, but then you know exactly what is because you've gone through that process and worked out that, um, you know, those dart, those soil probes that they were getting and how they were being analysed wasn't correct. And so it actually needed to be like this. And so, you know, another company that can do it a little bit better. And um, yeah, it just, it's sort of, I think if you think about it in a really logical, practical way um, and even draw it out, um, and bounce it off a few people, you'll, you might get a, a cleaner solution than an off-the-shelf bit of technology. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree anymore. Well, Georgia, it's been amazing having you on the show, um, picking out your brands to see what you're up to and what you're doing um, and the technology that you're bringing into your own enterprise, but probably will expand further, even with the carbon drawdown. It's really good like that you're thinking further ahead um but like what would you recommend for someone else looking looking at your sort of profile what you're doing with the goal of 100 million young people would love to like manage a company Mm -hmm. like that what would you say go over to boston and do entrepreneurship or become a nuffield scholar i think um yeah nuffield is a sick network um so that's been fun to be part of although because we're not allowed to travel um i haven't been over as a and, and seeing some of the other farms. But anyway, there's a great WhatsApp channel right now. Um, the, so advice, um, I guess with anything, you want to create a win-win situation. And so um, you, you want to make sure that your skill set or your aspirational skill set, um, because you know I knew nothing about mushrooms or, or agriculture really, um, but I learned it very quickly within sort of the six months. Um, and so you, you you want to pitch yourself to a business um, and, you know, speak to those directors or founders and see where they want to go. Cause there's a lot of baby boomers in businesses now that are wanting to hand it over, but their kids might not be interested. And so, um, you know, pitch what you want to do and see, and see what they say. Um, I think that um, there's great opportunities for, for aspirational entrepreneurs that want to jump into ag. Um, and yeah, that would be like, you've just got to be in it to win it. Like put your, put your hat in the ring and you'll learn. Yeah, definitely speak up and communicate what your goals are and they should be able to come to you as long as you write them down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You've got to commit. So one question I ask every guest on the show, who would you like to see speak on Farms Advice and why? Um. Oh, actually, that was one question that, um, I mean, are you, I, I think having um, outside eyes on um, farms is, is a really cool one to get some people that are heavily in tech that don't understand farming, but they might be able to offer some interesting insights that they have within their own industries that might be applicable. Um, so even some tech founders, um, if you get one of the Atlassian guys on, that'd be cool. Um, I know they're big into, into ag. Um, they're certainly investing a lot of money into, um, ag technology and other sort of foods. They've got a couple of lab grown food, meat companies and, um, yeah, I reckon that, that they'd be, they'd be pretty cool because they're significant leaders, um, in, in Australia. Yeah, that'd be really good. Just a different sort of set of eyes that are looking into the industry and for the next thing, Unreal. Yeah. How, how can people contact you? 
at Beulah or just for yourself um, for what you're up to? Um, so on Twitter, I'm just like GBT, which is G-B-E-A-T-T-I-E. Um, or, or LinkedIn, they're the two sort of main yep. ones for, for people to reach out. Um, and yes, yeah, super, super interested to hear from, if, if someone wants to get into mushrooms or they want to learn about mushrooms, absolutely get in touch. Um, happy to share everything I know. Um, and, you know, if I can connect anyone, I sit on um, a few other boards um, and boards are, are like a really important thing for like for learning and, and growing. Um, so I sit on the Rowing Australia board and on Steck and Bite, which redistributes all the food waste in Australia. Um, and I saw that Rowing Australia. Sure. What's Rowing Australia? Quickly. Rowing Australia is the um, like the industry. It's where body for all of our athletes. So we do all the high performance stuff. So we're sending some, some you know, the Australian rowing team to, to Tokyo. Oh, legit. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, yeah, actual, actual on water rowing. So I did, I did a bit of rowing, um, but I'm more sort of on the innovation tech um, seat on that board. And um, yeah, we've got, a, we've actually got a, a meeting later today. But so that's a, you know, the, the chairman's the CEO of West Farmers, and so I'm hanging out with some really um, driven and interesting people on those boards, and so that gives me sort of different things to take back into my own business when I see them operate. So that's quite, it's quite cool. So I highly, highly recommend jump on advisory boards and anything you can. Like I always, I, I didn't just jump onto the Australia, Rowing Australia board from nowhere. Like I had done 10 years of other smaller boards and things. And so it's a great way to learn. So um, yeah, so if, if any of those are of interest to your listeners that they want to sort of get in touch, um, I'm more than happy to, to connect them there as well. So, um, yeah, so thank you very much for, for having me on here, Jack. It's um, been really fun chatting. It's been a pleasure. I'll have everything in the show notes, the links and whatnot to Beulah Park so people can have a bit of a bow peek. Also, <laughs> one thing, not for the <laughs> listeners, but for me, how do you manage your time so yeah. effectively? Um, well, my schedule is a little bit, little bit rude um but i don't know i'm just i'm really i never i've always got time for i put in in my diary time for myself and going for a run with the dog um and then i've got all my board and work stuff i i guess i know how to get the most out of my brain and so i know how to just sit down and belt something out in an hour really really efficiently you know phones off and i just i would i do something in an hour what some people would do in a day um and so i'm just really really um uh i guess regimented with with when i work when i'm when i'm on and on and when i'm off i am really off, totally off. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that that would be um i, I reckon that's the the key and just being organized with what you need to get to get done so that you've got output but I don't know I've found with being um with COVID although I was um able to go to the farm every day um I I have got a lot more time now um from not having as many events and dinners and social things so I don't know when things return back to normal you might ask me that question again and I'll say I like I'm really not doing very well with that at all <laughs> Yeah, it's a good time at the moment just to smash out your work, isn't it? Not see so many people. Yeah, I mean, in a, in a healthy way. Like, I, yeah. it's not like I sit at home and work all day. Like, sometimes you want to do creative stuff. Um, and, 
you know, it can be, it can be fun. I'm, I'm not a big fan of just sitting in front of a computer. I like, use the computer to communicate and write something down, but that's not where your thinking happens. Well, amazing. Thanks, Georgia. Thanks for coming on the show, and we'll keep in touch further down the track. Yeah, fantastic, Jack. Thank you so much for having me. I look forward to uh, continuing our uh, our chats and, and listening to. Thanks for listening to the Fun Boss Podcast. I hope you really got some value out of it. I know I sure did. She was really good to speak with and just taking a couple of hints from her from her experience. She's, she flipped her company when she was 20, so she really knows what she's talking about. And the way that she entered the industry is not the way that a lot of people come through the industry. So it's really good to have her working within Australian agriculture bolstering her niche of the industry. Don't forget to listen to our weekly wraps and like, comment and subscribe and we'll see you next time. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.